0: Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, where we dive deep into God's word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. Welcome to the deeper dive. You know, this is all on uh, the air. It's really too bad you can't see us, because that would be awesome. Because Brooks, the pastor in the West Valley, he got he had an awesome haircut. You guys it's tragic, nobody can see it. it looks
1: A sick really fade good, going man. on. It's the dude.
0: It really is my one redeeming quality. Is my head of hair.
2: So there's
1: never been any question about that. mm -hmm. Nope. Well, Adam's beard. You just remind us with your new haircuts.
0: We all we we all use what we've got.
2: And nowhere we can't go anywhere but up from here. So Mm. let's
0: move on to some content, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along here, talking about my hair. Well, that is a perfect launching pad to talk about the Imago Day. Imago Day means image of God. You guys have been preaching on the fact that people have been made in the image of God. What week are we in now? Do you guys know? This is our last week. This is our last week. Week seven. It's amazing. Okay, week seven. It's just been a great ride. Uh, We've gotten so much feedback uh, on the series. It's just been really cool. Well, so if Imago Day is the name of the series, you guys will be preaching this week on, you guys are just throwing these terms around, man, the Missio Day. Missio Dei. It sounds really cool. sounds really cool. It, what is it, Amen. though? Like, Missio Dei. What is that? Can one can, of can you guys give me a definition of that? Well, again,
3: Latin, Latin phrase, right? So it means mission of God. And really, the, the mission of God is to set things right um, because things are broken, sinful, and God's mission is to redeem and restore um, all mm-hmm. things.
0: So that is his ultimate mission, his Missio Dei. Okay. All right, so... Mystic Day is the mission of God. It's God's mission. So, what, like, what is the end game, or what is what is that mission, the mission of God, all about?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason, I think said it well. It's God making all things right and completing God's mission in the world for redemption of humanity and redemption of the things that He's made.
0: So, mm-hmm. okay, so one of the things we do know is God, in the end, right, is He will give us a new heavens and a new earth. And you know one of the things I've always kind of wondered is if, okay, that like that is in the Bible, right? We can read about it, and if if God is invariably going to bring us toward that end, why like why should we work so hard to bring about that new heavens and new earth or bring bring about God's mission today?
1: I think God wants to populate his new heavens and new earth, his kingdom with redeemed people, and so the mission he's given the church primarily is to to reach. To the edges of the earth, those people that God can redeem and bring into that kingdom. And so the future, in God's providence, he's given us the, the job of taking part in bringing about that future through evangelism and the gospel and through the work that we do as a church.
2: Yeah, uh, I think that there you, you can go to the, a very big worldview implications here of how, <clears throat> how you live out your faith. Um, you can live out your faith in a... I'll say, like a bunker mentality, like, hey, we're going to go into a bunker and we're going to wait for the war to be over, and then we're going to come on out and, um, and we're going to enjoy the the new life. Uh, that's not what scripture teaches. God is intricately involved and wants to use his people to bring about the new heavens and new earth. So we are actually, um, seeing, we, we are in the midst of this, um, uh, of God's mission right now. And, Part of his tools that he's using to bring about his
0: mission are his people, his okay. church. Mm-hmm. The church. Mm-hmm. And yet it's still called, even though the church has a mission, right? It's still called the mission of God. So if we go back to God, you know, you just look at like God's character, right? Is his character how do how does that inform his mission through us? People have been made in his image. How does his character inform his mission through us, the people of God?
3: Well, you know, back to what you just said, Dave, it is not. It's not that it's not that the church has a mission. It's that the God of the universe has a mission and he constitutes a church for his mission. So if you think if you think about it that way, what God's doing is he's accomplishing his mission. He's already set it on his mission and he's a he has a people. Hmm. And to your question of character, who are those people? Well, they're people that are not only made in his image but they're recreated in the image of his son. Hmm. And so in order to accomplish his mission in the world, he is recreating people like hmm. Jesus to live like Jesus, think like Jesus, go and tell like Jesus to heal, to serve, to sacrifice for like Jesus
0: did. Hmm. I think there's something very healthy about actually talking about the mission of God instead of making, you know, making this like church centric. You know, the more we can just keep the focus right on the Lord, which is where it should be, right? That's where our focus should be and on what He is all about, rather than, you know, putting this... The church is kind of at the center of things. Um, let's keep God where where He should be. Anyway, I just mm-hmm. I just think that brings a lot of health and mm-hmm. um, humility to what we're all about here mm-hmm. on earth. Mm-hmm. Yep. I
1: think hey, too... Oh, sorry.
0: No, go for it, man. Before
1: the fall, God had a mission. It wasn't a redemptive mission, but when He gives the commission to Adam and Eve, it's be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth... And there's this idea of humanity as it stretches out to the edge of the earth. All are living under submission to God and in relationship with him. And now the mission, it's it's changed because we are fallen and need to be redeemed, but it's reclaiming what was God's. It's, it's reclaiming that mission. So he's never changed. Like right? His unchangeability, his faithfulness toward his people, his desire to be in that relationship drives his mission. He didn't give up on it in Genesis 3.
2: The mission, like obje- the mission objective is still the same. Yeah, it's the <clears throat> the obstacles may are, are, are a little bit different. The playing mm-hmm. ground is a little bit different. And then we go back to Genesis three, and we've talked about this. We've talked about Genesis a lot through this mm-hmm. series of mm-hmm. the Imago Day, yeah. because that's where it, that's where it starts. Is um, but in Genesis three, we get the changing landscape again. The mission is the same. Right. The mandate is the same. It's it's. Hey, I want my kingdom throughout the earth. But the but the landscape may have changed in Genesis three, which is the fall, and and now we get this introduction of sin into mm-hmm. into uh, the world that changes the landscape. But God still says, "I'm going to crush the serpent," right. um, and that's what I'm going to crush sin in order to bring about uh, uh, my full mission.
1: Which goes back to your question about the character of God, his nature, his faithfulness drives. His faithfulness towards his creation that he could have turned his back in justice and said you guys you guys lived off mission like you followed the serpent instead of me like i'm going to end this thing and be done but his mission toward us to be his people didn't end and so he's been chasing after us ever since and through jesus came and redeemed us and is through us now demonstrating that to the world
0: yeah, I think that his character too. Not only does it help inform what the the mission is, but it's how we go about it. Yeah. In other words, we we can't accomplish good things, you know, just like through through the use of force, through you know bad means. Wh- whatever we do, it's got to be done through, um, kind of uh, how can I say, with the, through the guidelines mm-hmm. and the power of say the fruit of the spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, those mm-hmm. those things, um, which I think is beautiful, man. Like, because sometimes I think we. It is within us to want the right thing and to go about it in the wrong way to get there. So true. Well, what about... Well, since we're kind of going theological here, um, not only the character of God informs his mission, but what about the very nature of God, right? His makeup, his nature. Does does that inform his mission through the church? And I think specifically, Mm -hmm. I would go with the fact that God is Trinitarian, right? Yeah. Go for it. I
1: was going to say his immutability that he... Just all that's tied up in that God doesn't change, God doesn't um shift or change, He doesn't lie, He's He's consistent. I mean, I've kind of already said that, I guess, with his faithfulness, but yeah, his in that sense. But I think you should explain what you meant by Trinitarian, because I think that's interesting.
0: Well, I think Where, one of the things that like I've had my eyes open to in just the last number of years is how, you know, each person's each person of the Godhead their role in accomplishing god's mission in the world right yeah that, that to me is just like, eye opening and I, I can just put it in a nutshell here that you know the Father planned out you know in his sovereign will the uh, his his redemptive mission, his mission to re- redeem people, the son Jesus carried out or executed that mission, and then the Holy Spirit is the one who applies it to us, makes it real to us, makes Jesus real to us. And uh, uh, you know, works in people's hearts to help them repent and believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, thought, I mean that hmm. it just makes me wonder if that trinitarian nature um, is further than simply his roles in carrying out his mission. Go, goes further than the roles. Well, right? I mean,
1: when when God creates, He invites for the first time beings into that trinitarian relationship. And not to be at the same level as the Father, Son, and Spirit, but to to enter into that joy and communion that the Father, Son, and Spirit have had. And so if Mm -hmm. God is intent on bringing human beings into that relationship, then I think that would tell us, yeah, when man falls and turns, God's God's invested in turning them back around, Mm -hmm. not because He has to have us in His relationship, because He's okay without us, Mm -hmm. but desires for us to be a part of that, Mm -hmm. and we'll accomplish it.
3: It's also interesting, that Trinity, I'm just thinking about that, Dave, that's an interesting piece, because in, in god revealing himself and actually making himself fully available to us father son and spirit you know in christ mm-hmm. that we have access to the father right and then we have <clears throat> the spirit that indwells us um we have in in our you know in this in, a, in i guess the trinitarian god enabling us we have the architect in the father that has built out this plan we have the advocate in christ who has advocated on our behalf. And then we have mm-hmm. like, I don't know what to call the, the Holy Spirit, like the activator, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like we have these three critical components, which are, they're not components, they're His nature. Mm-hmm. But they actually equip us to do what, you know, He's He's
0: given His church to do. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, so we want these good things to happen on this planet, a broken, shattered Sinful planet. So we are not the only ones that want good things to come about on the earth, right? Now we might be the only ones who want to bring people back into a relationship with God, but a lot of people want to. They, I mean, they want to see peace happen in the world. They want to see good things. So here's kind of what I'm driving at: are, are there are there technological and other like humanitarian advances? Are those things part of God's mission in the world? Is that part of what God is doing on this on this planet?
1: Could you could you clarify a little bit when you when you say technological advances in your yeah. mind like what are some examples of that?
0: Right. I think of like, you know, technology that just allows people to move, technology that makes people's lives better, mm. technology that brings water, technology that brings food to the desert, mm. that those sorts of things. Um computers that help us to communicate with each other. Mm.
3: I I don't know if this is what you're asking for, but what I thought of is in in God's original design, if we go back, like you said, Brooks, back to Genesis chapter one, what was God's original design? Uh, part of His design in creating is He created man and woman that they might create; they might be creators and cultivators, right? That's what we see play out in Genesis chapter two. So I don't, I think cr- that that piece of creating and cultivating it shows up once again in the Missio Day. I think mm-hmm. the Imago Day. Has kind of put that imprint on us, mm-hmm. and the Missio Day has um, repurposed that. Uh, even though we're broken, the images marred, we are still called to create and 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 to cultivate. Um, and I and I think that certainly spills over into technology and all all the other kind of components that you were just talking <laughs> about. Okay, so I would.
2: I don't know if this is also what you're getting at, but. <clears throat> um, so I would I would say yes to the answer to your question. Uh, do do advancements in in history and in, in on this earth are they a part of God's mission? I would say yes uh, for for a variety of reasons. But let's say this: just uh, if you're taking the language that Jason Jason just used of of cultivate, um, we are supposed to exercise. God asked us to exercise dominion over creation and steward creation to help sure. it grow, help it flourish. Um, one of those things is okay, populate the earth. Like Adam said earlier, we 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 have this this uh, goal to to bring more people into the kingdom. More people come becomes a, a drain on more resources. So how are we going to co- use the world, cultivate the world to maximize its 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 resources? And um, so that's why, like even even look at that the advancements in farming right we're we're in the valley here we're we're in we're in kind of farm mm-hmm. country there's been a ton of advancements in farming over the last mm-hmm. 500 years uh, 200 years even right it's and how are we how are we um, maximizing how how many crops we're yielding or how many cows we're having or how many how many chickens are in our in our pens and things like that all of those advancements are actually I would argue are very good um, because they are actually fulfilling the mandate of steward and cultivate what has been given to you in creation. So there's been, and you mean, that's just in the, that's just in the kind of the farming sphere, and you can go out into the technology. What if you go, you
0: think, you know, in the beginning, we're all going back to Genesis 1, right? And it says, and God blessed mankind. Yeah. I wonder if part of that blessing then actually is what he has put on this earth. Just think of all the medicinal qualities and plants and herbs. Sure, yeah. I mean, to this day, we're discovering stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's just pretty amazing. Well, just
2: think about how, like, the, the, the way, if we didn't have farming, mm-hmm. we didn't have yeah, medicinal advancements, if we just said, okay, we're just going to let the earth be the earth and we're going to let the cows roam where the cows roam. Well, if we didn't have any stewardship over that, mm-hmm. well, we we might run out of resources. We might uh, it, we, we've we've hunted down all the cows, right? You know, so it takes some it takes some farming. It takes some some understanding of hey, this is how our farmlands grow. This is how to best <laughs> yield these crops. This is how to best make these medicines to stop this disease. And yeah, yeah so I think all of that is a it, yeah, it, it's part of God's plan. Part yeah, of like
1: the Gutenberg press. Totally, Was that the sixteenth, 15th century allowed us to get to a place where a Bible can really get put into almost anyone's hands in pretty much any language, the airplane. <laughs> I mean, you can get to places where the gospel has not been taken yet through that kind of technology. But even thinking about in more of the arts, the technology that's taken place in film and music over time, if you think of technology in each of its phases, the compelling stories people can tell in film and it doesn't have to be like a you know a video made by a christian organization just but by people maybe christian people who are trying to tell the redemptive story of god through creative film or even starting back with i love classical music but i think there's something in those they were christians a lot of them early ones trying to demonstrate the beauty of god and all of these different ways that god i think uses it's not the primary I think like the preaching of the gospel is probably primary, but all these ways that God uses technology to, I think, touch the heart of man and woman and draw them to something higher than themselves—it's—it's it's everywhere. Yeah.
0: It's, it really goes back to what Jason was saying a few minutes ago. This is where I think this is where the image of God and uh, the uh, the 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 mission of God come together because of the fact we're made in the image of God, we're able to. Hopefully, effectively utilize what he has given to us, right, to help people come into a relationship with him, to understand the power of God, the beauty of God. So I don't know if this is, I don't know if is, sorry if I'm going to take us somewhere
2: that you're not going, Dave. But, sorry, but not
1: sorry. Yeah.
2: So okay, Adam, kind of sounds like we're we're talking about there. There are um, organizations, maybe humanitarian organizations. I think is the word that Dave used. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good work around the world. Uh, should the church just willy-nilly partner with any any organization that's doing good work around the world? What, what, what do you guys think? And what what classifies as good and to put our money you know, and effort that's behind? A,
3: that's a great question. It's actually a uh, it's a very relevant question because um, I think we're getting questions from people, even inside the church, certainly outside of the church, of um, uh, the you know the, the war that's going on in Ukraine right now, like. And there's agencies and probably your social media things pop up. You're going, man, I have, I have resources that I'd like to provide. How, how do I know? Or should okay. I, you know, is, is a humania, humanitarian relief agency, any humani- humanitarian relief agency okay? Should it be mm-hmm. a Christian humanitarian agency? So how would you guys, just reframe the question, mm-hmm. how would you guys answer that question
0: for people that are asking mm-hmm. it? I hope I don't sound heretical here like for me with humanitarian aid like my first thing is are they good are, mm. do they do what they say they're going to do mm. because there are so many agencies out there that like you know 60% of their budget goes to administrative costs mm. it's like no no way you know if you say you're going to feed people i want you to feed people i want my money to go where it's supposed to go yeah. so so for me i mean, probably one of the first things i would ask is are they have the highest integrity yeah. is their aims is their goal in line with what I think their goal should be, right? And then then do they actually do it, right?
1: And is there, do you guys think there's a difference between what a church does as a corporate body, you know, where they put their weight behind and their maybe financial support and prayer support behind, and what you as an individual person, Christian, maybe does on your, in your own freedom, how you utilize your resources. Like the church has the, they have the responsibility to, I think, be aligned with like gospel Projects in the world, like, mm-hmm. and finding those places that use resources well that are doing it with a very clear aim of kingdom work. Mm-hmm. But as an individual, like, if you want to support a humanitarian effort that helps people, that's not necessarily Christian. I, I would say personally, like, that's that's totally left up to your own mm-hmm. discretion and freedom. Um, is it the wisest? I mean, maybe maybe not, mm-hmm. but. I, I also, yeah. I would also
2: th- throw this to. I, I agree with you, Adam. Um, <clears throat> I, would, I would throw this caveat in there for anyone who is wondering if they're asking this question. Um, the temptation, I think, can arise in Christian circles to make oh, the church has to. We have to invent that, or we have to spearhead mm-hmm. that, or we have to do it, do that ourselves. Like if we're going to send aid over to Ukraine. Okay, we need mm-hmm. to, okay, let's develop the organization, let's mobilize the people, let's send them over. And it's just going to take a lot of work, energy, and and all that might be good. But there might already be a good organization that with boots on the ground mm-hmm. that it, it, your energy, the, the amount of energy that you're going to ex- expend and the amount of money that's going to take to get something off the ground would probably just be better use sending mm-hmm. it to someone that's on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, so I, I don't, yeah, I I would say it's I mean it's it, it's very nuanced. That some sometimes you're you're going to want to find uh, an organization that is gospel centric. Other times, not. I think mm-hmm. like to help to have it to, to, to yeah, seek out justice is it, it very well could mean partnering with with organizations that are simply doing justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd throw that out there,
3: Adam. I love the how you've differentiated between personal. And kind of corporate, because mm-hmm. I think you nailed it. I mean, as a as a church, uh, the lane is pretty narrow, mm-hmm. and, and, and rightly so. I think when people give through Bethel Church, like I, I really like around here at Bethel, we use that language. You don't give to a church; you give through a church. Mm-hmm. When people give through Bethel, they probably have and should have kind of gospel expectations, mm-hmm. right, yeah. on those resources when it comes to like global endeavors. Um, but I'll say personally, uh, my family has personally given to agencies um, that are not Christian. Um, and one of those is a local agency that we that we partner with. It's not a Christian agency that's meeting physical needs. And part of the reason that we've partnered with them is not to necessarily build a relationship and have an opportunity to share the gospel with the people that are receiving those, because we don't have that opportunity mm-hmm. through this agency. It's to build a reputation with the leaders of that agency and to develop that relationship. And so I, I think personally, you need to be really strategic. But I would say like, even in that, I mean, it's good to give to different things, but um, I do think that, um, yeah, I, be wise, but also see see every opportunity as an opportunity to build a relationship, share the gospel
0: and do good. Mm-hmm. I think my one <clears throat> caveat in here is... Uh, So the church has aligned itself with governments in the past, and not to our good. Right? That's where, ultimately, it it veers off from being the mission of God to being the mission of whatever that government is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. I mean, the Old Testament is replete with the Lord. You know, uh, getting really angry with Israel for making partnerships with Egypt with some of these other countries, and the Lord said, "Look, I don't. I didn't ask you to make. I don't want you to make those partnerships." So I, Uh I. That's probably my caveat here. Is that where the church has to be really careful, man, about aligning itself with any government, you know, because that's not, that's just not us. I think we can support and do good and whatever, be good citizens. We have to be very, be, be very careful. I, I, I'm just very.
1: Are you talking about like confusing government and church? Not necessarily like that would be different than the church submitting to the governing authorities when they're not going outside their reach of authority?
0: Yeah, I think it's you know where you feel like a certain government is like you've got your people there mm-hmm. and you know you're just going to align yourself with them and run with it and yeah. to the exclusion of other people and stuff mm-hmm. I, I just think i just think there's a lot of a lot of danger there but yeah. no as far as like being good citizens submitting yeah. to the government yeah. i mean obviously we're yeah, yeah. we're told to do right?
3: right yeah well guys again it's playing out in real time right i mean you have a a russian orthodox church that is really Partnering with a, a Russian government and it's and it's confusing people that are within the confines of the Russian Orthodox Church and just giving kind of um, I don't know a free pass I guess to to mm-hmm. Putin and all that's going on there and so um, I mean these are I don't want people to think we're talking about hypotheticals here this is this is playing right. out yeah. in in real people's lives
0: right now and it has throughout <laughs> most of human history yeah hmm. well. We noted at the beginning of this, uh, this particular podcast that this is our last, you know, we've done our ma- last uh, message on the Imago Day. It, it certainly is not going to be the last time we're going to talk about it. So maybe a, my, kind of my final question for you guys is, so do we have any kind of follow-up to the issues we've raised throughout this, this Imago Day series?
3: I think as we talked about maybe on the last, uh, last week's podcast, Um, We really hope that this is the beginning of a much larger conversation that needs to take place, because um, we have only scratched the surface in a whole lot of issues that are culturally relevant. There are things that are popping in our news feeds on a regular basis, and they're not going away anytime soon. And this is a space that the church needs to be engaged in. And uh, just like we bring back some language that we were introduced to uh, back in the fall, we need to be winsome in these conversations that we have. And in order to be winsome, we need to know what our convictions are. And so I hope that this has been maybe a jumping off point for us to have a good foundation of what the Imago Day is. And then we do, as a a leadership team, we're thinking through what's the best uh, environment that we can create to have further conversations about culturally relevant topics.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so, because we'd love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media.